What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Birdie here. In this episode, we're going to talk about a case study where we have the founder of an e-commerce anti-agency company. It's helped brands to scale profitably online and generate over $750 million in recurring revenue for clients. So naturally, I wanted to figure out How did Stealth Venture Labs become this behemoth? Because it had to start as an idea, and now it's generating over $750 million recurring revenue for clients. And to be able to achieve that, you have to build a lot of trust with clients. You have to pick the right people. There's so much that goes into that. So that's why I'm excited to unpackage all this for you on Breakthrough Success here today. So we're lucky enough to be joined by the founder of Stealth Venture Labs, and he is none other than Brent Freeman. Brent, welcome to the show. What's up, Mark? Thanks for that super enthusiastic, uh, great intro, brother. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. Brent, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And one of the things that I love to do on the show is dissect companies and how is it that individuals are able to reach their success So I'm wondering if we can unfold the curtain a little bit and talk about the initial stages of Stealth Venture Labs. How did the idea come about and what were some of the things you did to gain the initial momentum? Yeah, I mean, great question. So every good uh, business starts with solving a customer pain uh, in the market. And so the pain point that uh, I saw was a pain point that I experienced. I was an e-commerce and still am e-commerce business owner and operator, brand runner. And I was very frustrated with the tip, uh, the typical uh, agency marketing agency model, which was you get a really good salesperson uh, to sell you on all these amazing things that they'll do. Uh, then you kind of get in there and you have these very, very junior people, typically you, you know young college graduates um, coming out, learning on uh, your dime, how to do digital marketing things so they can maximize EBITDA. And I went through that um, pain point with a brand that ultimately failed because we missed our market timing. Um, and we hired and fired a bunch of agencies until we finally built a brand in-house. Uh, sorry, built a team in-house. And that team started to work. But the time that team started to work, we missed our funding cycle. Um, and we had to shut that company down. And so I was determined to never make that mistake again. And I spun out the, the in-house um, uh, team into what became Stealth Venture Labs to be the agency by e-commerce operators for e-commerce operators, understanding how um, e-commerce works from a 360 degree operator's view and how marketing as a service can play into that to accelerate uh, growth and grow through growth plateaus. And that that approach um, really took off. And early days, we started this about eight and a half years ago. Um, Early days, there was was really hard to find talent out there. And so we actually became co-founders of a lot of brands um, and co-founded about 10 different e-commerce and subscription brands. Um, some of which are still around today doing multiple tens of millions in revenue, other of which have, have uh, failed. And um, in that process, we also then saw how we could do this, not just as co-founders of businesses and we're using our kind of team as the center of the wagon wheel for marketing services. But then how do we do it as an actual service for, for growth clients? Um, and we did, we've had some really beautiful and uh, fortunate successes with uh, companies like Home Chef, taking them from about 5 million ARR, uh, meal kit delivery. 5 million ARR to 100 million ARR in about 12 months. Um, and then again, similar story with Factor 75 um, through their acquisition by HelloFresh. 
Um, and, um, and we just have some really beautiful growth stories under our belt because uh, we understand how to do digital marketing and growth marketing from the operator's seat. It's not done in a silo. We don't hire junior people. Um, we work in conjunction as like more of an augmentation team uh, for all of our clients. Uh, real-time communication, understanding blended KPIs and business intelligence, and managing growth goals from the PL. Um, and all of our staff and team have done it before. They are experienced, tenured staff. They're not learning, um, you know, by you know, on the dime of our clients. They've they've done exactly what we need them to do to scale through growth plateaus. Uh, and we vet uh, really thoroughly and pay great salaries and. 100% of benefits, uh, uh, health, vision, and dental for them and their, their families, um, the best PPO money can buy to create an environment that attracts and retains the best marketing talent uh, we possibly can have. And I love how this starts as you have an in-house problem and you want to create an in-house team to solve that problem. And then you see, wait a minute, I can help people on a wider scale by offering this service to growth companies that can really use it. So when you have an in-house problem that you're experiencing, it's very entrepreneurial to look for the solution, but then think about how you can help other clients with this service. I really enjoyed hearing that story. One of the things that I want to get into is right now you're at the point where you have Home Chef and others uh, as your clients and you've had the case studies where you can take them from 5 million and annual recurring revenue to 100 million in a year. You have those case studies now. You have a lot more now than when you had when you were first starting out. How did you get the initial clients when you didn't have the case studies, you didn't have the success stories, and uh, you only had maybe a few people on your team in comparison to what it is now? Yeah, so um, I had got some really good advice from an entrepreneur mentor of mine when I was uh, in college. I went to USC and was in the entrepreneur program there. <clears throat> um, it's important to note, I, was, I wasn't the lemonade stand kid entrepreneur. That wasn't me. Um, and I was oftentimes told, you know, entrepreneurs are born and not made. And yeah, I think there's some of that, but I also think entrepreneurs are made through grit, determination, and a view of the world being in a different way than how you experience it. And so, um, you know, for any solopreneurs or entrepreneurs out there that are early stage and starting, um, you know, you don't have to be that lemonade stand uh, kid to, to build a really beautiful and successful career in the entrepreneurial environment. But one of the pieces of advice that I got from this mentor was that your network is your net worth. Your network is your net worth. And um, early on, I invested into my network. And all that means is that I went to networking events. I was a part of the entrepreneurial community. I met people and <clears throat> networking isn't about what you can do for me. It's about creating relationships with people and helping them, period. Um, and it's been a mantra of my life that I maintain abundance through giving. Um, and so, you know, if your network is your net worth and you maintain abundance through giving, then you approach uh, meeting people, how can I help? What do you need? What are you, what are you looking for? Um, you know, who can I connect you to? You create relationships. Uh, and then those relationships over time become like Moore's law of compounding. Um, into opportunities because those people scale, grow, start new things. And that's how my first clients came about. It was just my network. Um, I had come off of a failed e-commerce startup that had um, had partial angel backing on it. And I was very active in the LA Silicon Beach community. Um, and as a, as a thought leader, as a public speaker, but also as a mentor uh, in different areas. And um, I had built a network over five years plus of running that brand. And um, 
And, and so when I, uh, when that brand ended, I joined a venture fund as entrepreneur in residence to kind of help them as they were making consumer internet uh, investments. Um, and their portfolio, as well as my network would come to me and say, oh man, you're an operator. You did this. You know how to do this. How do I do this? Oh my God, help me out. And I was, and that's how it started. And people were just being referred to us and asking and calling. And it just, you know, it started, I think our first year, we only did uh, about 150 or $200,000 of sales when we first started, you know, and it was just a couple of clients that uh, trusted us, that believed in us and small retainers and small service and bringing a lot of value. And then it built on that over time, referrals and calls and people would tell other people. Um, and it isn't until actually kind of recent history that we've ever even had a sales team um, in person in this company, because it's been all about how do you build and compound that, that net network. It does get you, your network gets you to a certain point um, and then it caps out. And then you have to figure out, okay, well, how do I scale beyond this or do I need to? Sometimes it's okay to just kind of get to that scale and just kind of be there. <clears throat> and we realize there's a certain amount of revenue uh, that, that comes from that network every year in a unpredictable manner um, over time. And, and so we've had to expand the network. We've had to expand our value offering and we had to go outside of our kind of core early adopters and saying, okay, well, how do we then tell our story to other people? How do we continue to grow? How do we create those relationships um, over time? And so so that's really how it how it has grown. For anyone getting started out, and you see this, the further you go up, you see people six figures, people making seven figures. Network is always something that comes up. It's one of the reasons I love to host Breakthrough Success because through this show, I get to meet so many awesome people like Brent's, learn their stories, and be able to provide that to you as well. So it's like we're all winning in this dynamics, one of the reasons I really enjoy podcasts. I do want to go into, Brent, how you built your network, because I think some people have this uh, mentality where you just spam LinkedIn message your way to the top, or you see a media outlet and your gut instinct is to just say, feature me because I'm awesome. Uh, what was your approach to building your network and even now, because you mentioned you're still trying to expand it. Uh, great question. Um, uh, yes, I've done every press out there from the Today Show to NBC, LA. I mean, you name it, I've done it. And, you know, from Huffington Post and TechCrunch and Mashable, we've had all our coverage over the years with my various brands. Um, I don't view that as networking. I view that as, as, as public relations, um, as awareness. Networking is about creating authentic, real relationships with people in a manner in which um, that relationship over time can grow and blossom potentially into a friendship, into a business partnership, or into just an acquaintanceship where it's like, oh yeah, how are you? What's going on? It's never been about what can you do for me or what do I need? Um, it's always been around how can I help? And um, I am a, what, what's called an ambivert. So I recharge by being alone. I'm an introvert in terms of that sense, but I, I like being social. I'm extroverted. I'm a social introvert. That's the best better way to put that, right? So um, networking events uh, for me have always been nerve wracking, I, but I would go to them. Um, I would go to them early on. I'd go to mixers. I'd go to um, different, uh, you know, different events in the like Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach scene. I put myself out there. I didn't know anybody. You just go and you talk and you meet people and you introduce yourself and you just kind of like get to know them. And I would never ask questions of like, so what is it you do? I hate that question. It would be like, oh, what lights you up? What brings you joy? 
What makes you excited? What are you excited? What are you working on that fires you up right now, right? Wow, that's really interesting. How can I help? What are you looking for? And sometimes in those individual events, you meet another person and you're like, oh my God, Steve, I got to connect you with, you know, Jane, right? And it just happens there. And when you bring value through those sorts of things, you build value. Um, and so, you know, over the course of compounding over, you know, 15 plus years, um, those things pay off over time. <laughs> and I think now I'm in a stage where it's not about um, uh, quantity. It's really, really about quality. And so I'm very, very, very careful with where I spend my time and my energy and my resources, um, but also about with whom. And it's not just about uh, how I build and grow my network. I'm not trying to grow my network. I'm trying to <coughs> surround myself with inspiring and amazing people who inspire me to do bigger and better things, to dream bigger and better things, to achieve bigger and better things, and to make a, a bigger and better impact in the world. And so um, you know, for me, it's about, uh, you know, my grandma used to tell me that you are the net sum of the five people you surround yourself most. Right? Uh, Jim Rohn, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jim Rohn, Betty Freeman. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, in that, in that, uh, you know, in that uh, idea, um, it's, it's networking becomes a lot uh, easier to understand. And so if you, you don't need to be a Silicon Valley insider, sure, it helps if you have the inside track or connections. You can just pound pavement, <laughs> go to events, Google and find them, fly yourself out there, you know, reach out to people. LinkedIn is so cluttered these days. That channel is really, really, really hard to get people's attention, right? And so the question becomes, if there's somebody whom you're trying to, to, to contact or reach, um, that's not networking. That's, that's outreach, right? Networking is about how do I, how do I bring value to somebody? Not what, what can you do for me? And so I think what I, what I recommend for uh, anyone listening to this is to take a lifelong approach to building your network versus just a myopic approach. If you need something, it's sales. I'm trying to get somebody to do something for me. That's sales. If you're networking, you're building a relationship over time. Um, and you don't know what it is you're going to be able to do for that person now or what they're going to do for you later, but you're just building an authentic relationship. You actually care. You're not like looking at them and then kind of looking over the shoulder for the next best thing, or, right? You're present. And you're getting to know them, uh, and it, it becomes harder over time to do that stuff. And certainly in the COVID world, it's been it's been much much more difficult to do that. But now, as as the world's coming back to a little more new normal sense of whatever that is, um, you know, events are coming back. There's opportunities to do these things, um, and getting yourself out there is the number one way to uh, create opportunities. I mean, with networking, the thinking of it as friendships rather than what can I get from you, you're instantly on the right path. And I just really enjoyed hearing that dynamic. And earlier you mentioned how networking is a revenue source, but it's not one of those, like you can predict it as much. Uh, like if, if you're running ads, you could look at your like average cost per click. You can see where that goes through in your funnel and really understand your conversion rates. But networking, you're talking to a whole bunch of people and hoping something sticks. Is there a way that you increase the conversion rate? Like, do you ask people like, hey, do you know anyone who could like be a client of mine or do you really let fate play its role in the networking? Again, networking is different than sales. If I'm looking to increase sales, then I'm, I'm approaching it very differently. I'm going to this to increase sales and I'm going to try to find prospects and I'm not here to network. I'm here to find prospects 
seek them out, talk to them and build a business relationship and try to sell them. That is not networking. Networking is going in to create relationships, authentic, true relationships. And it is listening to the other person, talking, hearing, being interested in what they're doing and trying to bring value to them, not sell them. Occasionally, those two paths cross and they need something and you, you, know, you can uh, deliver that. Uh, but um, it, it is very, very, very different. So don't, don't mistake the two. One is, one is going in for sales and growth. The other one is going in to build long-term relationships. Long-term relationships are not monetizable. They're not something that, I mean, they are in, in time, but they're not something you can predict. It's not something you can create. It's just something that you raise like your 401k or you know, SEO. You're really glad you started early <laughs> because if one day it pays off. You just don't know when. Right. Um, and uh, sales is a, it was more like direct response. It's like buy this now, click here. Right. Boom, boom, boom. And that's just, that's a, it's very, very, very different. So don't mistake the two, you know, and I think <clears throat> sometimes people do, oh, I'm going to go to this event and network. Oh, no, no, you're going to go to this event and sell. We're looking for prospects. That's fine. No issues with that. Just, uh, just make sure that you are very clear because your tactics are going to be different. Because then if you're on the sales side, all right, I'm going to look at this list and I'm going to see. All the people who could be prospects, I'm going to try to find them. I'm going to go to their sessions. I'm going to look for them. And I'm going to try to get out of the 100 people that I could get. I want to talk to 50 of them. You're filling a pipeline. That's not networking. That's filling a pipeline, right? Networking is going and talking. And you might have people whom you want to talk to and seek out, but it's not for your own benefit and gain in, in an immediate way. It's for, wow, I really want to, I want to learn more. I'm looking for mentorship. I'm looking for, you know, uh, you know inspiration in some way, shape. And I, I want to explore the networking versus prospecting difference a little bit more because I think a lot of people like to mesh those two together because both of those are dialogues with people. You're trying to advance the relationship, but you have different directions for where you want that relationship to go. And at the same event, there can be people you network with and there can be people who you prospect with. Uh, we've talked a lot more about the networking side, but I'm wondering if we could go into detail about some of the strategies that have worked for you to build up your prospects pipeline. Well, there's you know, on the event side, um, if you, any way that you can, the best way on an event um, side is to be on, on stage it, it, to be able it, to be able to be positioned as a thought leader that has a message that resonates with people. Um, and then or potential prospects. And then, uh, and then those prospects have uh, an awareness of who you are. They're educated about what you do. And so if and when you talk to them, they're, they're in the consideration phase already. Um, and so, um, and a lot of times they come up to you and they'll seek you out. And that's your best case scenario. So getting on stage, speaking on panels, having keynotes, um, in some way, shape or form, being positioned as a thought leader. Sometimes that is um, having a booth, but that's harder to, to you know, seek out and it's harder to create in, in kind of like the sh on the showroom uh, floor. And I think in, in, this, in this case, you know, networking is about me going with no expectations. I'm just looking to meet great like-minded people, be interested, see how I can bring value, how I can help. Sometimes that value I bring is the service that I provide or the thing that I sell. And that's awesome. Whereas, whereas prospecting is like, nope, I'm looking to sell. I need to go, I spent $5,000 on this ticket and X, Y, and Z to be at this conference. I need to go generate $25,000 in sales. And I am very surgically going through that process and probably not spending time on people that are not center of the bullseye. <clears throat> you have to be very conscious of that though, because oftentimes people that are not center of the bullseye can introduce you to other folks because they are networking. And that can create a really weird, uh, I mean, we've all had it happen to us where you're talking to someone and you're 
not who they're looking for and they don't care and they brush you off. They look on your shoulder and they're looking for the next best thing. And it creates that kind of like ugh, feeling, right? And so you have to be really careful about how you do it in a way that is conscious of uh, when you're dropped into a conversation, you know, you can let that person know like, hey, I'm, I'm looking to meet this person. If I see them, I'm sorry, I gotta jump. I'm here to meet that person. So you can create still a good relationship. So that's the analog version. You know, I think online <clears throat> networking is a lot harder. It's just really hard. This is networking in a way, you know, podcast on a one-on-one side of things, but it's really hard to have that networking effect uh, online. And it really happens in person um, better. Um, and so online, it's about, it's about prospecting. It's about talking to people. It's about, hey, here's what we do. Here's how we do it. It's something that you're interested in. Let's have a conversation. And even in the sales conversation, our style is not to like hard sell. It's like, tell us what's going on. Tell us what's happening in your business. Let's talk about it. Let me tell you a little about what we do and why we do the way we do. And let's see if we're a good fit because it's like dating. If it's not a good fit on both sides, no matter how hard I sell, it's going to, you know, it's either not going to work right there or it's going to quickly, you know, dissolve afterwards. So we take a, a much softer approach to sales, even, even online. Um, it's again, still relationship building. We have a lot of people whom we've talked to um, that are early, too early for where, where we are. Um, and then a year later, they're ready to go. Right. And, and if we had brushed them off or not had that conversation, not focused mm-hmm. on building that relationship, um, we wouldn't be able to, to work with them in the future. And that's a really great point you mentioned at the end. You don't want to rush to slam the door shut because uh, someone who wasn't ready for your services can become ready in the future. And networking, there's so many opportunities that can come from that. But if you think opportunity with every person you see, it does show. And you're looking over to see if there's a more attractive opportunity around and then you don't really get anything from the networking. The online networking, it does have its merits. Like we're able to interact with each other, even though we're in other parts of the uh, US, but you mentioned the events being more powerful and there are so many events to choose from where some of them, it's a small local thing. Others are the go-to place in the nation. You got thousands of people. How do you decide which events to put in your calendar? I think now is different than when I started. Now it's centered around, um, uh, am I surrounding myself again with the quality of people whom I'm aspiring to either be or be like? And is it a like-minded, it doesn't need to be professional success. It's just the type of people who fill my soul, um, right? Where I feel like, wow, like that was a really in worthwhile time. They say that, um, you know, what I'm doing today is important because I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. And the older we get, the more that we, the more that we start to realize that and the people whom we spend our time with become more and more valuable. When I was first starting, man, I started networking groups. I joined networking groups. I, I went to almost anything I could and worked the room. And, you know, by working the room, I mean, just talking to a lot of people, having business cards, 90% of that stuff never went into, panned into anything. Some of it panned into other stuff, you know, and it's just early on, it was a spray and pray model because I didn't know I was really young. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten more refined on what I go to, what events, what conferences, what um, things do I attend, where do I attend them, you know, those sorts of things. And um, so I think it just depends on your industry, your stage of life, what you're looking for. Um, when you're starting out and you're trying to grow, it's, it's good to cast a wide net because uh, the people who you meet, uh, you never know how they're going to come back and keep in touch with, with, the, you, know, with you. 
Or um, if, it, if you go to an event, especially early, and you're uncomfortable networking, like most people are, um, it's practice. You get to learn. You get to figure out, okay, there's two people talking. Really hard to break into two people talking, but then when there's a group of three, there's an opportunity. There's not a man out. There's an opportunity to come up and join, right? When the, you know, and so in, in fours, when they're paired off, it's harder to break in. But in five, there's a, it, you know, it becomes a big conversation. So you start to learn these things as you get into that and start to understand the tactics or even things of like when there's three people, be like, hey, can I join you guys? Sorry to interrupt, right? Uh, it, you know, and so you just start to like in your, in these smaller groups, um, even things like Toastmasters or other, just gives you and builds confidence. So when you go to things that really do matter, you know how to do it in a successful way. And yeah, it's going to be super uncomfortable. Yeah, nobody, I don't know anybody that likes that. Honestly, I don't know anybody, right? And so it, it is uncomfortable. You just get in there and you just do it. Um, and you just meet people and be curious, ask questions, you know, and um, ask how you can help. You may not be able to help for shit. How can I help? And I really like how you mentioned you started with the spray and pray approach. I think that's a very common way for people to get started. It's understandable since you don't have a network yet. But I think people, they take that model too far, they continue. And at which point, once you know enough people, it's time to narrow your focus on the people who there's a reciprocal desire to help each other grow versus seeing each other for the opportunity. Or in your industry, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to really dig into Web3 and, you know, you go to Web3 events and then you might realize, oh, I really want to be on the Ethereum, blah, 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 blah. And you might go niche down into where you want to go, right? Um, and that, that, makes, that makes sense. That's super normal to kind of go more and more and more specific. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the, the big thing too with networking is following, follow-up. If you get people's cards, sending them notes. If somebody is really impressionable for you or somebody you want like to be a mentor, I send handwritten thank you notes. Um, and, uh, and, some, and sometimes I'll you know, say like, hey, I'd love to take you out to coffee or lunch if you're open to it or have a phone call. Um, and if they don't live in my city, I'll fly out there to meet. Oh, I happen to be in New York at this time. You know, it depends on who they are. And through that, I've created some really powerful mentors people, partners at Sequoia and billionaires and people who started huge clothing brands. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it, everybody's just people. It's just about access to them. And if you do it through an authentic way, people want to help, especially if you're young, you know, but I don't think young college kids or recent grads realize, especially, you know, how much access they have by being young. People want to give back to that. And as you get a little bit older, it becomes harder to break in. But even then, if you have humility of like, Hey, I'm a young entrepreneur, I'm an older entrepreneur. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I ask you some advice. Do you have 10 or 15 minutes? 10 or 15 minutes is the sweet spot. By the way. Mm. I mean, just like you don't want to grab too much of their time. So I definitely agree on that 10 to 15 minutes. The handwritten notes, uh, that is a really great strategy. And people don't get stuff in the mailboxes often. It's far less cluttered than LinkedIn and email. So I definitely love that strategy. Brent, you have shared so many great insights throughout our time together. For people who want to learn more about you and visit your online brand, where do you suggest we go? So um, our company is Stealth Venture Labs. And so it's stealthventurelabs.com. Um, and that's where we do all of our um, inquiries for people wanting to work with us. Um, we typically work with brands that have found product market fit and are trying to scale, having a hard time doing it with an in-house team or existing agency. Uh, and um, if they're interested about what I do kind of on a personal side, it's brentfreeman.me. It's my personal website. I'm in the process of writing a book about my own entrepreneurial journey and uh, path through 
all the, you know, all the challenges of being an entrepreneur, of going through uh, peaks and troughs and failures and depressions and all that stuff, you know, and, and um, so in the upcoming year or so, uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be coming out with more on that. But those are the two, two main places. Well, Breakthrough Success Listeners, we will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you check out Brent's personal website as well as Stealth Venture Labs. Brent, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, brother.